Don't you just love those God stories, amen? amen? I tell you, I just love what God's doing in the life of this church and in the lives of, of people all over this world, and, and uh, I'm just so thankful that God is, is still moving. He's still seeking, and he's still changing lives every single day, and what a remarkable testimony that is, and uh, just so glad that we get to hear that testimony and just be reminded of the power and the presence of Jesus in our life. Uh, I want to just welcome you this morning to Cross Point Church. It's good to see you. Um, I pray you've had a good week this week, and I'm really excited about what's going to happen here as we dive into God's Word. This morning, we're going to begin a uh, really kind of a part two of our series, Upside Down. We've been walking through this for four weeks, and this is our fifth week today. We're going to continue just looking at Jesus in, in just some really remarkable ways, maybe ways you've not looked at Jesus before, and... Um, uh, the author of, uh, of Hebrews, he, ha he has a way of just reminding us to fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, and so that's what we've been doing, that's what we're going to continue to do as we just look at Jesus and look into the life of Jesus and look at who Jesus is to us. How many of you are thankful this morning for Jesus Christ in your life? Amen? Amen. And so that's what we've been doing, that's what we're going to continue to do. I want to pray for us this morning. And then we're going to dive into God's Word because that is our foundation. We talked about that last week. God's Word is our foundation. That is uh, what God has given us as a gift to establish that firm foundation in our life. And so we're going to go there, we're going to dive in, and we're going to just see what God's Word has to teach us this morning. So pray with me this morning, if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence in this place. And God, we thank you, God, that Lord, you're still seeking out those individuals to change and to transform. Lord, that they may proclaim the good work that you have done in them. Lord, I thank you for the story that Ransom just shared with us and how, God, you've, you've just changed his whole perspective on life. God, I, I, I'm thankful that, Lord, you've, you've just reached this young man in such an incredible way. And, Lord, I just pray knowing God, that you want to do that in the rest of our lives this morning. God, that you are, you are at a place where you are drawing men and women into yourself. God, that we may be transformed by your presence and your power. And God, I just pray that, Lord, we would understand that and we would welcome your presence into our life. God, we love you so much and we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we have an opportunity a free opportunity each and every week to come into this place together, to gather as a faith family, to welcome you in this place, to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, that you would take your word and use it to penetrate our hearts and to stir our very souls, God, as we think about who you are. Lord, we're thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and walked on this earth living a perfect life that he, met, he would be able to go to the cross and die on the cross for the atonement of our sins. And Father, that through Christ Jesus, we may be saved by grace. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, God, for your word. And I pray that as we dive into your word this morning and we learn even more about our Savior, Jesus Christ, that God, you would just move in a special way. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you this morning to turn with me to the book of John, the book of John, the gospel of John. We're going to go there this morning, and we're going to go to chapter 10 of the gospel of John. This morning, we're going to be talking about Jesus, our good shepherd. 
Jesus, our good shepherd. And I know that this passage that we're going to be looking at today is one that is very familiar to us. We'll talk about that in just a moment a little bit. But it's one that I think is, a, is just a great reminder to us as we think about exactly who Jesus is. As we think about all that Jesus is to us and all that Jesus has done for us. As we look at Jesus this morning, I, I, I'm sure that you're going to be encouraged and you're going to be thankful even more for who Jesus is. Now, in chapter 10 of the Gospel of John, we begin to see where Jesus begins to introduce the relationship between a shepherd and sheep. And you may, have, you may be wondering, you know, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, it has everything to do with you. And, uh, and at the same time, the people that first heard this conversation from Jesus, they found it a little bit perplexing as well. Let me just say this this morning, you would rather be a sheep than a goat, okay? I would, I'm just going to say that. So, uh, but, but here Jesus begins this sort of introduction. He begins to talk about this relationship between sheep and shepherds, and he begins to talk about the fact that sheep know the voice of their shepherd. He talks about how they know him by name and they follow him, and so we begin to see this. He begins to talk about the dangers that exist with uh, being a sheep and, uh, and how those dangers exist in this world. He talks about there being a thief. And even in our text that we're going to look at today, he, he mentions this wolf. And so there are dangers that exist. But those who are listening don't quite understand what it is that Jesus is talking about. They're a little bit perplexed by the conversation he's having. And so we come to this, this verse, verse 7, where we're going to start today. And it says that Jesus said to them again. And so we're going to look at this passage here this morning. We're going to start at verse 7, and we're going to go all the way to verse 16 here this morning and see what it is that, that this passage has for us. So we're, going to, we're going to dive into God's Word. We're going to see how relevant this passage is for us today. And so read with me, if you will, starting with John chapter 10, verse 7. It says here in the Scripture that, Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, he sees wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But again, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now, over the years, uh, I suppose that many of you have heard this passage preached, as I have. I've heard this pas passage preached, and and, and really a lot of different ways. 
There are those that as they look at this text, they choose to focus on what it means to be a sheep. And, and if you've heard a sermon where the pastor would focus on what it means to be a sheep, you probably heard that sheep are not the smartest animals on the planet. You, you know, a lot of them refer to sheep as being sort of dumb and therefore they, they need a, shelter, a shepherd. And so we, we hear these sermons, we, we begin to try to understand this. And I guess this makes sense. Uh, that we would maybe focus on the sheep because sheep in Scripture are mentioned over 200 times. And so uh, there, there's just something about sheep that we need to understand here, I guess, today. Uh, and and as, we, as we begin to read that, we begin to realize that, that sheep are by nature, they're lost without a shepherd. And so therefore, as we look at what it means to be a sheep, we point to the shepherd and we know the shepherd to be Christ Jesus. Uh, but we also know that sheep are very defenseless they need a shepherd to protect them. And because of that, there are other preachers who would choose to focus on the threats that exist in our world today. Uh, no doubt we have an enemy who seeks to kill and destroy us. We have an enemy who doesn't like us and despises who Jesus is. And so that's a reality. That's a truth in our world today. And so many preachers, when they go to this passage, they would look at this and they would maybe focus on the enemy that we have at hand and that we are constantly needing to be reminded of existing in our life. And so there are those who would focus on that. But neither of these two things, the, the threat to the sheep or the sheep themselves, are really the focus of what Jesus is trying to say here. These are not truly the, the thing that Jesus is zooming in on that he is wanting us to understand as we look into this text. Instead, what Jesus does is he focuses on himself being the shepherd, okay? And so he focuses on himself being the shepherd. In fact, in this passage, twice, he says to us, I am the good shepherd. And so what we see here is we see that Jesus is, is wanting us to clearly understand that he is the good shepherd, and obviously we want to try to figure out what it is that he is speaking to us. I believe the reason that Jesus is focusing on the reality that he is the good shepherd is because this is so hugely important for us to understand. So that's why we're looking at that this morning. We're going to dive into this. We're going to uh, dive into God's word and try to understand what it means that Jesus is the good shepherd. Two weeks ago, I was in Beirut. You know that. I, I've shared that with you already, but I was in Beirut, and I was working with our church planning partners there, and, and, and we had an opportunity to talk a lot about reaching uh, people there living in, in Beirut, Lebanon. But while we were there, we also had an opportunity to go north from Beirut. We went up about 30 miles north, uh, 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 just south of the Syrian border. If you, if you know anything about what's happening in Syria today, uh, they are in a, the midst of a conflict, a horrible war, and there are many, many, many people who have died. Uh, the, the, the country itself, Syria, is just... Uh, almost completely destroyed by the war that's taking place. And as a result of that, there have been over 2 million refugees who have crossed the border into Lebanon and come in as refugees fleeing from the country in which they're from as, as, as bombs are dropping and as people are dying. And so these refugees have come across. And one of the, the ministries that has formed over there is a ministry to, to gather up and to minister to orphans. Uh, we had an opportunity to go to this orphanage, and, and every little boy that was there and every little girl that was there uh, had lost their parents uh, to uh, death. They had 
either been there with them. Some of these kids were right there with their parents when they died in the, in the midst of war, and they had nowhere else to go. Some of these children were there as a result because their parents, in the midst of this madness and in the midst of just being torn apart, they told their children to run for their life. But either way, these children were there, and we had an opportunity to go and meet some of these children. And while we were there, we had an opportunity to just engage with them and play with them. And one of the things that we found out right quick is that they, they like soccer. Uh, they they like soccer. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit beyond my soccer days, okay? But, uh, but I tell you, there was just something about wanting to, to just engage with these children. And, and there, was a, there was definitely a language barrier. Every single one of them that we met spoke Arabic, and I don't speak any Arabic. And so there was a, a real struggle there. But soccer seemed to be that one thing that connected us. And so we got out there and started playing soccer with these children. While we were playing soccer, there was one little boy who kept looking to me, and, and every so often he would say something like, did you see that? He would make a good play, and he would turn, and he would look to see if I was watching him make that good play. And most of the time, I was sort of focused in on him. And I remember he came up to me, and he says, what's your name? And I said, my name's David. What's your name? And he says, my name is Smy. And I remember just hearing his name, Smy. What an unusual name. And as he ran off, I said, I don't want to forget this little boy's name. And so I associated his name as Smile without the L-E on the end. So Smile, but he was, he, he was missing the smile. And it was, just, it was just such a sad boy, and he kept looking to me. And after we had finished this game, Smy came running up to me, and he says to me, which I, I think he was over, uh, overestimating a little bit, but he says to me, you're a great soccer player. I was completely out of breath. I mean, I, I didn't agree with that statement at all. And I said, thank you, Smy. And then I realized what he was doing. He was wanting affirmation that he was a good soccer player. And I said to him, I said, Smy, you're a great soccer player. And I'll never forget just how he lit up. And it dawned on me for the first time as I was doing that. Smy had no one in this world to tell him how proud they were of him. Smy had no one left on this earth that really even cared for him other than a, a very large organization that had just gathered them, and they were shorthanded. And I could only imagine that Smy had very little interaction with anybody other than the other children. And then I looked around, and all the children that were gathered in that place, they, they were all without a daddy, and they were all without a mama. And it broke my heart. And one of the things I knew that I would be preaching on as I returned back to the States was the reality that Jesus Christ is our good shepherd. Jesus Christ is our good shepherd. We may have nothing else in the world. We may have no one else in the world. But one of the things that we have, one of the greatest gifts that we have in Christ Jesus is he is our good shepherd. Shepherd, and we need to understand that this morning. That's why this is such an important text for us to dive into and to understand. If you would, as we continue through this message and even throughout the rest of the week, would you pray for those Syrian children who have no one? And would you pray specifically for Smile? Is Smile without the L? And so there we have it. This morning, we look into this passage. And one of the things that I want to make sure that we do is stay true to the context of this passage. 
If Jesus is wanting us to understand that he is the good shepherd, then that is what we need to focus on. That is what we need to to center in on and understand more than anything else. And so to start off, notice what Jesus says in the middle of this passage. Notice what he says. And this is obviously a, a verse that is very familiar to many of us here today. But in verse 10, Jesus says these words. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now notice what Jesus says. He says, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. How many of you this morning celebrate eternal life with Jesus Christ, amen? Because of Jesus Christ in your life. We celebrate that truth. We are thankful for that truth. And here in this passage, we see where Jesus says, I, have, I came that they would have life and that they would have it abundantly. But one of the things that we must be very clear before we really dive into this and get, get started in this is what Jesus specifically was talking about when he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Everything that Jesus is talking about here is eternal life. He, he's, he's talking about life and death. He's speaking eternally. And so as he brings to us or he proposes to us that there is an enemy out there, it is real easy for us to begin to believe that the enemy he's speaking of is, is Satan himself. But as we read the context of everything that Jesus is saying here, we begin to realize that the enemy, the real enemy that he's talking about is being eternally separated from God because of the sin in our life. We have a problem in humanity, and it's called sin. Do we understand that this morning? We are, we are no good outside of Christ Jesus. It's because of Christ Jesus in our life that we can only be made righteous or have a right standing with God. And so here, Jesus, as he's proposing this to us, as he's trying to help us understand this, he, he's speaking of this enemy, and this enemy being sin and death, being eternally separated from God. And so he says, I came that they would have life. And so he says, listen, you don't have to have this eternal death. You can have eternal life. You can stand in the presence of a holy God because of the work on the cross that I am prepared to do. And so here we see where Jesus is, is very specifically honing in on sin and death and, and this, this foe that wishes to destroy us and this enemy that seeks to, to rob us, this thief, if you will. And so we begin to see this. Now, the reason I say all this is because so often we hear this passage presented to us uh, in such a way that I believe is a little bit out of context of what, what we see Jesus talking about here. I've heard this verse used to teach that what Jesus wants is for us to have just a, a pouring out of blessings in our life. There are, there are many people who would take this verse and they would say that what God wants for you, what Jesus wants for you, he wants to come and he wants to give you life and he wants that life to be abundantly full of blessings. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. And so we have to be very careful to understand exactly what it is that Jesus, he's not talking about prosperity He's not talking about good health. He's not talking about those things. He's talking about this, this enemy called sin and that we are eternally separated from God because of that sin and that he is the answer 
for that eternal separation. It is through him, Jesus himself declared, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. He is the eternal life. And so he says, I want to give you eternal life, and I want you to have this abundantly. In other words, eternally. And so here we see where Jesus is is, is, is doing this, and if we preach this any other way than that, if we preach it as though you know God is some sort of Santa Claus in the sky that just wants to shower you with gifts, if we begin to preach that, all Jesus is is the carrot before the horse, isn't he? And so we chase after Jesus, why? For the reward that we get from Jesus, right? If I chase after Jesus, man, I'll get a BMW. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I want to save your soul from hell. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I want to save your soul. You have a problem, you have an infection, and it's called sin, and I want to give you eternal life. I want to save your soul. And so this is what Jesus is presenting to us as we look into this text. Um, and, And it's so important for us. We don't turn to Jesus for abundant gifts We turn to Jesus because he is the abundant gift. Amen? We turn to Jesus because he is the good shepherd. And so here we're going to dive into this now. We're going to take a look now that we've sort of set the bar. We we understand what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the, the reality that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except for through him. So let's look at what Jesus had to say about being the good shepherd. There's two things I want to point out to you this morning as we dive into this text here together. First of all, as sheep, and this is really good to know, but as sheep, Jesus knows us. As sheep, Jesus knows us. I want you to, I want you to know here this morning that Jesus knows everything about you. Did you know that? Did, Jesus knows everything about about you. We need to understand this. Twice in this passage, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the second time he says it, he says this in verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. This is just foundational for us to understand that Jesus knows everything about us. There was a time in my life where when I, when I heard that, when I sort of reflected on that, the fact that Jesus knew everything about me, he, there was nothing that was hidden from God about me. He just absolutely knew everything about me. There was a time in my life where that literally scared me to death because I thought about the reality that Jesus also then knows my inadequacies. Jesus also knows my shortcomings. Jesus also knows when I'm being disobedient. And so as I live my life, oftentimes I live my life with, with a sort of sense of fear that Jesus was going to find out, you know, who I really was without really recognizing he already knew. He already knows who I am. He knows everything about me. And so there's nothing to be hid. But then I became encouraged knowing that Jesus knew everything about me when I began to realize that Jesus knows my needs before I know my needs. Jesus knows the things that I need in life more than than I know what I need in my life. And so I began to sort of turn that around, and no longer did it scare me that Jesus knew everything about me. It encouraged me because I knew he was always one step ahead of me. He always knew better than me. Even in those moments in my life where I felt as though, you know, maybe things weren't turning out the way I wanted, I also knew, because the Word of God teaches me this, I also knew 
that he knows better than I. And so just knowing that, I find great comfort today. I'm still, oftentimes, you know, I, I don't like to be reminded of my inadequacies. I don't like to be reminded of, uh, of the reality that I fall short or my own insecurities in life. I, I, there, there are things that I wrestle with just personally as a, as a man and as a child of God. But the reality is, I already know that God knows everything about me. He has my best interest at hand. And because I am his sheep, he knows me. Because I am a child of God, I know that he knows me. And I love that about my good shepherd. In Matthew 6, 8, we read this. It says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. I love that. The father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus, our good shepherd, he knows our strength. He knows every one of our strengths. But he also knows our weaknesses. He knows our weaknesses. He understands where we are weak. The author of Hebrews, he writes this. He says, since then we have a, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. How many of you are thankful that Jesus knows your weaknesses? Amen? And that he can be our strength in our life when we feel weak. When we are at our weakest moment, he is our strength. And so I just love that about Jesus. I love the fact that he knows me. If he didn't know me, he wouldn't know what I'm going through. He wouldn't know uh, what, I, what I need more than, than anything else. And so uh, we, we begin to understand this. He knows every joy and every burden. He knows every joy and every burden. The things that just light me up and bring so much joy in my life, he knows what those things are. The things that encourage me in life, he knows what those things are. But he also knows those things that weigh me down. He knows those things that bring such great burden upon my, my shoulders. He knows the things that crush me. And because of that, I know that he is going to always be there for me. Remember what he told Jeremiah? You, he, he said to Jeremiah, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now that is comforting to us. That should be hugely comforting to us. The only reason it may not be hugely comforting to us is if we are living in a spirit of disobedience and we are pursuing sin over God. That would be the only time where we would find ourselves uh, maybe not being glad that he knows everything about us. But here, we see this and we, we begin to understand it. So in verse 14, Jesus says these words. He says, I know my own, and look at this. He says, and my own know me. In verse 16, he says, and they will listen to my voice. I remember the day I got saved like it was yesterday. I remember the day I gave my life to Christ. I remember the day I responded to God's overwhelming presence and grace in my life like it was yesterday. I was 23 years old, but years before that, years before that, I'd had the gospel sort of presented to me or shared with me through the, the ages. The first time I ever remember the gospel being shared with me, I was a seven or eight-year-old boy, and I had gone to church with my grandmother. She took me to this old church out in the country. I mean, it was one of these old one-room churches with a 
with a, with a tower and a bell at the top, and they would ring that bell. I mean, this was, this was one of them old-timey churches. And, and I remember she took me to this church, and, and it was there that I doodled all during the service. You know, I found a, a, an old bulletin or something, and I was able to draw pictures while the preacher was preaching. And when we walked out, I remember my grandmother saying, David, do you remember what the, what the preacher was saying about Jesus? And I looked up, and I didn't realize it was a test. I, if I had, I maybe would take notes instead of just uh, drawing pictures. But I looked at her and just scared to death that I was maybe fixing to get a spanking because I couldn't remember a single word he said. But I had to fess up, and I said, no, ma'am. And I remember my grandmother kneeling down out there in the church parking lot. She just kneeled down, and she began to share with me, there's nothing more important for you in your life than Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important for you than Jesus Christ. She went on to talk about the reality that I needed Jesus because I was a sinner. She shared the whole gospel. I mean, people were leaving. I'm like, Grandma, I mean, it's lunchtime, you know. We need to hurry this thing up, you know. But she saw it as the most important thing in my life. And I graduated high school. I moved off to college. And one of my good friends, he came to me, and I, I saw college as one of these opportunities to sort of let my hair down and and get away from my parents and, and sort of live a life that, you know, they had always told me not to. And, and I had this real good friend named Andy, and I remember Andy pulling me to the side one day, and he says, you know, let me, let me just have some conversation with you, some real conversation. This path that you're on, it's not a good path. And I remember he just began to share with me Jesus, and he started talking about sin, and I remember all the way back to grandmama telling me about sin, and I remember him describing to me what sin was, and I'm like, man, are you serious, doggone? You know, it's just like he's taking all the fun out of life here talking about sin. But, but all of a sudden, he's sharing with me the importance of Jesus Christ in my life and how Jesus can radically just transform my life. And, and in those moments of my life, I wasn't, I, I wasn't at a place where I was ready to receive this truth. I'd be 23 years old when I remember the preacher standing up in the pulpit and really not sharing anything different than I'd already heard. In fact, there were many other times where I heard the gospel. But this time, for whatever reason, God got hold of my heart. And as I sat there in that chair and he came down to the front and he said, this morning, if you want to respond to what Christ is doing in your life, I'll meet you down at the front and, and it's here that I will pray with you and, and we'll just set things right. We'll just make sure that you know all that you need to know about Jesus. And I couldn't wait for him to pray so I could go down there with tears in my eyes chasing after Jesus instead of the world. On that day, Jesus became my good shepherd. He changed my life forever. And I was so glad that despite who I knew I was, despite the reality that I knew who I was, that he cared deeply enough for me and he still loved me unconditionally that he would say, I want you to turn away from who you have always been and come to me. I am the good shepherd. That's what Jesus was telling me that day. I understood clearly that he was the way, the truth, and the life. The life abundantly. And so here we see where Jesus is revealing to us these truths about 
him being the good shepherd. But here's the unfortunate reality. There will always be those who reject this truth. There will always be those who reject the gospel, and that's just really sad to me. There will be those who who go to the grave hearing the gospel message of Christ Jesus, and, and for whatever reason, they just never come to a place where they truly believe, or maybe they come to it, they never come to a place where they realize the importance, the eternal importance of, of responding to what Christ is doing in their life. In fact, we looked at this last week, and I'll read it again this week, but Jesus reminds us of this truth. He says here in, God, in Matthew's gospel, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? And I will declare them, look at this, totally different words, I will declare to them, I never knew you. What a sad day to stand before the Savior of the world. And for Jesus Christ to look at you and say, I never knew you, depart from me. As sheep, Jesus knows us. And I am thankful for that. As sheep, he knows who we are. And for those of us who surrender to who he is, we will be sheep forevermore. Now here's the second thing I wanted to share with you. As the shepherd, he was willing to lay down his life. As the shepherd, he was willing to lay down his life. Now, this becomes hugely important. In fact, this is the gospel that Jesus is preaching. This is the, this is the, the gospel news, the good news. Uh, and I can assure you that everyone in those days that was listening to Jesus, they would have been perfectly aware of what he was saying to them on this particular day. But in this passage, we read, starting with verse 11, the text, of our, uh, the text that we're looking at here today, Jesus begins to contrast that of a hired hand to what a good shepherd is. In other words, he says, here's a hired hand over here, and here's a shepherd, and here's the differences between these two. Then he says in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, if you're, if you're one of these guys that underlines or highlights in your Bible, and I hope you are, go ahead and just do that, okay? Because he is referencing the cross right here. He is referencing the reality that he will go to the cross for his people. And so here he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He says, he who is a hired hand and not the shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But then he says this, but I'm not that guy. Jesus says to us this morning, I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy like the hired hand who doesn't have stock in the sheep. I'm the guy who cares deeply for the sheep. And whereas the hired hand may run off when danger comes, whereas the hired hand may flee and not be willing to sacrifice anything because he is only concerned for himself, Jesus says, I am different than that. I am the good shepherd. 
And then he goes on to tell us the differences between the two. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And look at this. He says, and I lay down my life for the sheep. A good shepherd is too concerned to run off and hide. And there would come a day when Jesus would face the cross. There would come a day when Jesus would be condemned to the cross. There would, there would come a day where Jesus would be hung on a cross, taking on the wrath of God for us. There would be a day where he would hang on that cross and his flesh would be torn. And there would be a day when his blood was spilled for the atonement of our sin. There would be a day where he, as the good shepherd, would lay down his life for the sheep. And so Jesus is referencing this here for us this morning. There are two things that I want to share about Jesus real quick, about Jesus being willing to die for us. Two things that I believe that we need to hear this morning because I believe they're hugely important. The first one is this. Jesus loves you too much not to have died for you. I don't know what your past looks like here this morning. I know what some of you looks like, but not everybody in this room. But despite everything that your past says about you, let me just say this to you this morning. Jesus loves you despite your past. Jesus loves you too much not to have laid down his life for you. Please hear that today. Because I realize that at any time that that a church gathers on Sunday morning, and we have two services here, but I, I realize that every time people gather together and they hear the preaching of the gospel, there's always those who say, Pastor, you just don't know me. I've been down this road that's just, I've gone too far. You've never gone too far. And Jesus loves you as much as he loves me, and he loves the next guy next to you. Jesus loves you so much that he couldn't help but go to the cross and die for you, even you. That's a truth I hope you'll walk out of here with today. And so here we see where Jesus is saying, a good shepherd will lay down his life for you. John 3, 16 and 17, another very familiar passage for us. We look at this, it says this, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to this, and no one comes to the Father except through him. He is the only way to eternal life. The truth is, the truth that we need to understand is Jesus loves us too much not to have gone to the cross for us. Romans 5, 8 says this, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why would it be that in our sin, Christ died for us? Why would it be that we would ever ignore what the word of God has to say to us this morning? While we were yet still sinners what the word of God doesn't say 
is that when you became perfect, Jesus decided to go to the cross for you. When you got your life straight, Jesus was willing to go to the cross for you. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word doesn't say that when you begin to put forth a good old boy effort to being a good person, that then Jesus will go to the cross for you. That's not what the Word of God says to us here this morning. It's not what the Word of God teaches us this morning. He doesn't say, listen, if you would just clean up your act, I'll go to the cross for you. No, the Word of God says that while we were yet still sinners, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus, the good shepherd, he sent his only son to the cross and it would be there that he would be nailed and his flesh would be torn and his blood would be spilled for the atonement, for the forgiveness of our sins. It was in the place of sin that Jesus would die on the cross. It was in the midst of of our sin, that Jesus would die on the cross. Don't ever let anyone convince you that you are too far gone for Jesus Christ to work in your life. We're talking about the creator of the heavens and the earth. We're talking about the one who created everything seen and unseen. We're talking about the creator of your life. And while you were still in the womb, he knew you. That's who we're talking about. We're talking about the good shepherd who knows you and loves you. And the second thing I want us to see, to say about Jesus being willing to die, to lay down his life as the good shepherd is this, that he had to die for you to be saved. He had to do it. There was no way that you were ever going to save yourself. There was no way that I was ever going to save myself. He had to go to the cross. His death on the cross was never an accident. You need to understand that today. He came to this earth to be born of a Virgin Mary only to live out a life perfectly so that in order he could go to the cross and die for the atonement, the forgiveness of our sin. He had to. But he was willing. He was willing. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, For I delivered to you the first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Look at this in accordance to the Scriptures. The Word of God had proclaimed that there would be a Messiah who would come. There would be a child who would be born to us. And His name would be Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. There's probably not a more horrible death than death by crucifixion. As Jesus faced those final hours, he even prayed, Father, if there's any other way, take this away from me. 
but your will be done. As the good shepherd, Jesus didn't run. He didn't hide. He didn't flee. Jesus said to the Father, your will be done. And if it's the cross, then it's the cross I must bear. And he went to the cross for your sins and for mine. I want to close with one last verse that is very, very familiar to us. Psalm 23, if you want to go ahead and turn there with me. It's a very short psalm. We'll, we'll, we'll read this together, and then we'll sort of close out. You know, this is very familiar because this is probably hanging on a wall somewhere that you travel just about every day. This is, this is one that we have on wall plaques and picture frames. This is one that we see on coffee mugs. This is one that we may even have a bookmark in our Bible that says we hear this at nearly every funeral we go to. Psalm 23. But I want us to sort of wrap up with this one here this morning. And it says this. The Lord is my shepherd. How many of you are thankful for that this morning? The Lord is our good shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. That's abundance. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The important thing here this morning is not that we know Psalm 23. The importance this morning is whether or not we know the shepherd in Psalm 23. And he is a good shepherd. And he is a shepherd that loves you. And he is a shepherd that died for you. Jesus is still this day seeking and saving the lost. He's still changing lives. He's still moving among us. Won't you today respond to what it is that God is doing in your life? Won't you come to him? Is there any reason in this world that you should walk in this world without him? He is the good shepherd. In just a moment, we're going to have, our band's going to come out, and they're going to lead us in that last song, and we're going to have a time where we can just reflect on what God has taught us through the reading and preaching of his word, and our pastors will be down front. I'll be right down here on the front. If you want to come and just spend some time praying this morning, you come and do that. Maybe you want to come and just rejoice for the reality that Jesus is your good, good shepherd. That he has restored your soul. That he has brought to you new life. Or maybe this morning you want to come down and say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life more than anything else in this world. I'm convinced of that. I know that I need Jesus more than I than anything else in all my life I have given my life up to everything but him and this morning I want to know how I can fully 
surrender to Jesus. If that's you, I'll be down here. If you want to come and just pray alone with God, the altar is open. Maybe you want to come and just rejoice at all that God is to you, all that Jesus Christ is to you. He's so much more than just a good shepherd. Amen? He's so much more. Jesus says, I came that they may have life. Eternal life. And have it 